Welcome back to the VMUG Professional Development Series. We're back with part two with Deborah Zabladil about mindfulness. If you have not shared this podcast series with your coworkers, VMUG group, or social media, what are you waiting for? Share the podcast series today. And one more thing to note, this is the last episode of this series, but if there are topics that you'd like us to cover in the future, in future series, let us know on Twitter at MyVMug. And now, on to the episode. Enjoy. So before we dive into emotional intelligence, Deborah, I wanted to get your take on maybe an app that you use for mindfulness and meditation. I know for me, I use Headspace and Breathe, but there's so many out there. Is there one that you use daily? You know, I think Headspace is, I personally think it's one of the best that's out there. There's another one called Calm that's very good as well that I use. There's one that's um, that I like that's called 10% Happier. And this is um, for the skeptic. So just what you were talking about, Matt. This is for you, Matt. (laughs) Right. Writing it down. For those for those who are not so sure that it's going to work, it gives you ways to incrementally and slowly start this practice and to start to see benefits. So that you know, even if you're you feel ten percent better, you're starting to realize there's a change. But it is actually the app for skeptics. So I love it for that reason. Awesome. Yep. Once once we're done with this, it's we're I'll be downloading. <laughs> All right. I'll let good. you know how it goes. <laughs> so uh, Deborah, let's now talk about emotional intelligence. Can you walk us through what that is? Of course. So, you know, there's a real significant connection between um, meditation, mindfulness and emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence, um, sometimes it's called EQ or EI, EI, emotional intelligence. But the EQ is sort of the uh, the versus IQ, you know, kind of a a moniker. And it really um, is based in four different things. So I, I will tell you that the more mindful The more you practice mindfulness and the more mindful you become, the more, the naturally more emotionally intelligent you will be. And emotional intelligence is one of those things that is shown to really make or break a leader, right? We can be very skilled in um, a, a process or an orientation towards something, but if we don't know and we cannot relate well to other people, understand ourselves, etc. we are going to falter somewhere along the way. The best leaders out there tend to have a high level of emotional intelligence. What's interesting about it is some studies will suggest that there's an inverse relationship between IQ and EQ. Now, I would say that is in the extremely high IQ area. So for people that are extremely smart, so, you know, maybe Menza level, they might find that EQ is more difficult for them. Um, You know, I will use a TV analogy here just because it's something that maybe people can relate to. But on the Big Bang Theory, if anyone ever watches it, it's a very uh, popular show. Sheldon, who is this brilliant physicist, has no EQ at all. 
He understands no social cues. He doesn't understand himself. He doesn't understand sarcasm and empathy and those kinds of things. So that's an example of, you know, what can happen when someone has a really high IQ is that they have a, a, a they tend to have a lower EQ. I will mm-hmm. say that anybody can learn to become more emotionally intelligent. It's not one of those things that you have to be born with that used to be, you know, sort of a thought of the past that you either have it or you don't. That's not true. Again, by practicing mindfulness, you can absolutely become a more emotionally intelligent professional manager leader. So it really consists of four things. And um, the first is to recognize and understand your own emotion, own emotions. So one of the things that I always say in my leadership classes is leader, know thyself. If you don't understand yourself, you will never be good at understanding others and you will never be good at relating to others. We have to start with ourselves. We have to start internal and then learn external. So this is just this, you know, like what we were talking about, sort of having a moment between a meeting where you're mindful because you're an emotionally intelligent leader, you're saying, I'm recognizing that I am really angry right now from that last meeting. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to walk into that next meeting and I'm, I'm not going to be a good participant in that meeting. So what I need to do is I need to take a minute and I need to do something about it. That's practicing. That's, that's somebody who's emotionally intelligent and is practicing mindfulness. So we first, the first thing, again, we recognize and understand our own emotions. The second is we manage our own emotions. So we're not just recognizing it, but we're saying, okay, I could either lash out at this person because they're upsetting me, or I can say, you know what, I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to fill my coffee cup up and I'm going to come back. And during that five minutes, you're sort of resetting yourself. You're saying to yourself, I'm not going to let myself react and you come back. So the more emotionally intelligent we get, the more we're not just able to identify our own emotions, but we're not, we're not flying off, you know, uh, the radar. We're not crying because something upset us. We're not yelling at someone because we're unhappy with their performance. So those two things are about ourselves. Then we are able to recognize and understand the emotions of others. So again, that is, now we know ourselves and we're starting to become more aware of our own emotions. Now we can turn the sort of the mirror on someone else and we can say, because I understand myself, now I'm recognizing these emotions in other people. I am really being present. I'm really paying attention. I'm realizing that when I'm going through this performance review with them, they are starting to get emotional. And how am I going to react to that, right? How do I, how do I react to them being emotional, whether it's anger or um, you know sorrow or something along those lines? And then the fourth is being able to influence that other person. So by recognizing that that person is having those emotions, I'm able to say, I understand you're upset, but let's look at the, let's look at the facts of the situation. Or I understand you're upset. Do you need to take a minute? And then we come back to this conversation. So it's those four components. It's really, you know, if you could sort of picture it in a, a box with four quadrants, it's, you know, on the top level, it's understanding ourselves and managing our own emotions. On the bottom level, it's understanding others and influencing them. So that's really what emotional intelligence is about. As you can imagine, the more we practice mindfulness, 
the more it feeds into our being a strong, emotionally intelligent professional. I hope that made some sense. Yes, it did. Definitely. I, I think we we might have met a couple Sheldons in, in our life and we, we might be a Sheldon <laughs> in our life. So uh, that, that definitely right. helped a lot. And so now there's, there's a stat that uh, 36% of people recognize their current emotional state and recognize its impact on their behavior. Why do you think that number is so low? Um, is it something that we're not being taught when we're younger? Like, what do you think that reason is? I think it's absolutely partly that we're not being taught that when we're younger. Um, I am so, um, I feel so inspired to see emotional intelligence and mindfulness being taught now in preschools, in uh, grammar schools, in high schools. Imagine what that will do to bullying and all of the many negative things that we see, you know, happening with kids. If you're taught that at a, you know, it's just like when I see a, a young kid skiing and I think, wow, they're learning it when they're three. They're going to be doing this the rest <laughs> of their life. They're not going to have the fear that us adults do, you know, going into this kind of thing. So I think there's a couple of things that happen when we don't do this when we're younger. One is sometimes we're afraid, you know, to mm-hmm. um, to go inside ourselves because what it means is we have to face our own truth. Right. If we are becoming mindful um, and we are recognizing, you know, who we are, um, our emotional state, our blind spots, it means we have to face the truth about ourselves. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't want to do it, aren't prepared to do it, are afraid to do it. And I also think that the conversation hasn't really been there for for, you know, many decades. Right. I mean, if we look at, you know, I look at like. Our, my parents' generation, you know, and they were um, traditionalists. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, you mind your business, you go about your day, right. you don't, you know, you don't step out of line. That was not a very uh, mindful generation. They were not taught to be mindful. They didn't teach us to be mindful. So I think that we are seeing, you know, a first generational shift toward um, this, and it's an awakening that's happening. And I think that number is going to get higher and higher and higher every year. Um, But part of it is knowing, you know, it's always like knowing what you don't know. If Mm -hmm. you aren't aware that you should be doing mindfulness or that there is a thing called mindfulness or that it can help you, why would you, why would you be practicing it? right? Right. So I think the more we talk about it, the more companies talk about it. There's so many companies out there that are doing um, mindfulness work and it's, it's just, I think it's fan. It's a fantastic trend. They're also realizing it reduces burnout and, you know, a whole host of other things. The military is practicing mindfulness. Police forces and fire departments are practicing mindfulness. So as we start to see mindfulness and emotional intelligence become embraced by um, sectors of society that we that we normally wouldn't think, you know, uh, would would embrace them. I think it gives it sort of opens the door for everyone to step inside. That's awesome. So I I think uh, it'd be a good thing to transition into is that would you be interested in leading us through uh, a mindfulness practice? Uh, Absolutely, I would. Absolutely, I would. Before we do that, I want to just say one thing, because I know so many people struggle with sleep. 
And it's something that mm-hmm. uh, Candace mentioned um, a, a little bit ago, and that is that um, practicing uh, mindfulness and meditation before bed can be really helpful to sleep. There is something called a body scan. Um, and Candace, I don't know if that's what you do, but many people do that in bed and they do it um, either in the morning or they do it you know, at night, but you're laying flat. And you literally do a scan of your entire body and it starts from the tip of your head and it takes you all the way down your body where you're acknowledging different parts of your body, how they feel. Um, Sometimes you're, you know, sort of having a a gratefulness um, moment for your body that gets you through the day and that, you know, functions well, but you're starting with, you know, how does your scalp feel and the top of your head and your hair and you're working your way down your entire body and you're just sort of paying attention to how every part of your body feels as you are going through this meditation. And many people will say that by the, before they're done with the body scan, they're asleep. So I find this to be particularly helpful at night, you know, particularly if I'm ha- if I've had a stressful day and I need to calm my mind, uh, which is what many of us need to do. That's what keeps us up is that our mind is not calm. Um, so this is a beautiful practice and you can look it up um, a great way to sort of end your day with a meditation that will quiet your mind, quiet your body and may just lull you right to sleep. So that's not necessarily something you can do in the workplace. Some people can. It depends on your culture. (laughs) You know, I know people that just lay right on the floor of their office and they they do their meditation. And that's great, too. Um, But what what I want to lead you through today is just a two-minute mindfulness exercise that you can do, you know, in between meetings, Um, shut the door of your office, go into a conference room. If you don't have, if you have an open space office, um, go into, you know, sometimes you have little phone booths or um, little areas where you can make a private phone call and have a two minute meditation anytime during the workday. So I am going to lead you through that. And what I'd like to have you do is start by um, sitting up, you know, in a chair and putting your feet on the floor, uncrossing your legs, and really, you know, sit up straight, put your arms at your side, or you can cross your arms in your lap, whatever feels most comfortable to you. Okay, I'm putting the microphone down okay. right now. <laughs> Fabulous. So sitting up straight, feet on the floor, arms at your side, or arms on, you know, the armrest of a chair or in your lap. And let's start by taking a very deep breath. So a very strong inhale. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. So a deep, deep exhale. And again, inhale. Exhale. Inhale, exhale. For the next minute, I'd like you to clear your mind of everything you can. Get into a quiet space in your head. 
If thoughts start coming in, push them back out. If your to-do list comes in, push it back out. And we're gonna sit in silent meditation for the next minute. Deep breathing, clear head, pushing thoughts out. Okay, and that was our two-minute meditation. Some of you may have chosen to close your eyes during that meditation. Some of you may not have, and that's fine. The idea is to slow the body down, slow the heart rate, clear your mind, which is very hard. It's hard to do. But I hope you realize how easy that was to do. Yeah, and I'll just... Yeah, and I'll just say for myself that it felt like there was like a windshield wiper of my mind going on. I love that. That was my like the the image of my mind's eye, uh, if you That's will. That's a great so, analogy, Matt. I um, love that. Yeah, and I and and I should have said this beforehand, but I really hope people pulled over if they're in the. Oh car. right. <laughs> um, but I'm I, I I but I but I do but I I do have faith in our uh, listeners. That they, uh, <laughs> right don't shut your eyes and meditate while you're driving please don't do that please right (laughs) but it's the point is it's it's simple and something like that you know again if you get into a practice of of just doing two minutes for the first week and maybe the next week you increase it to three minutes um and the week after that you know maybe it's four minutes and, and it doesn't even need to, you know, to grow. I mean, at some point you, you may never want to do, you know, an hour of meditation, but the point is just start and just make it a habit. The, the, the habit piece is more important than the length of time. And you will start to, again, become more aware of when you need those two minutes, when you start to get that feeling of, of peacefulness and of pushing things out of your mind. And of, you know, running the windshield wipers so that things aren't coming back at you. When you start to understand the benefits of it and feel the benefits of it, then you start to look for opportunities to do it. And you start to look for a way when you're feeling stressed to, you know, take time out. Um, I would also say just that in, in, the, in the program that I went through, we were in cohorts and um, one of the women in the cohort was a very busy young mother. She worked a full-time executive job. She had a two-year-old at home, a husband, you know, a house, and was eight months pregnant. She was, when we were on one of our calls, she said, I feel so out of sorts 
because I haven't been able to uh, practice lately. So, you know, we kind of all brainstormed and what we, you know, she, you know, we, well, can you do it in the morning? Can you get up earlier? She could not get up early enough, you know, to actually have any peaceful time in the morning. And she really, really missed the practice because she had done it for a long time. So what we brainstormed for her was, you know, on your way to work, when you're driving to work, pull off into a parking lot, pull off into the, you know, to the side of the road, wherever's safe and do a five minute meditation on your way to work, knowing that it was going to be chaotic when she left the house. It was going to be chaotic the minute she walked in the door at work and she was going to get no break in between. She started doing that and she felt like herself again. So a couple of lessons here is that find a place to be able to, to do some kind of a practice. If you're, if you're inclined to, to start meditating, um, and don't let other people usurp that. Protect that space, even if it's five minutes. And again, I really believe we should all have the fortitude to be able to protect five minutes of our day for ourselves and our own health and well-being. The other thing is that once you start doing it, you will miss it. And you will miss the positive effects it has on your day, on your week, on your well-being, etc. And, and, and I guess the third is, you know, th this world is stressful, right? We, we go into work and it's stressful. We turn on the news and it's stressful. We, it's, it's full of stress. We can't continue to look for external ways to deal with that stress because really the answers are kind of within us. And so the more we tap into what already exists, it's free to us. It's available all the time that, you know, we then can start to, you know, heal things that need to be healed. We can start being um, better people, better partners, better parents, better friends, better professionals. And it really is that easy in terms of tapping into ourselves. It's the, the hard part is being deliberate about it and making it a practice. And I would say also say that when you talk to anyone, you know, people will talk about their yoga practice. People will talk about a mindfulness practice. People will talk about a meditation practice. The reason it's called a practice is you can never get too good. You are, and, and it, what it implies is that you do need to practice it. It's not something that, oh, I've practiced and now I've got it down. So I don't need to do it anymore. We always need to be in the practice of mindfulness or meditation whatever it is you choose to do. And that is the regularity of it. That is the consistency of it that's really going to make a difference in your life. Well, Deborah, I think this is an excellent place for us to, to, to stop. And, and, I, and I think um, the, the, the pointers you give us and the advice, it's gonna help us, like you said, just be, just be better people. And so, uh, um, I will be downloading that app. What are the few of those apps again? It's 10% Happier. Headspace. Headspace. Calm and Breathe. Yep. All right. So check those out if you, if you haven't. So um, are there any other um, resources that our audience can, can get regarding this? Well, I'm happy to have anyone reach out to me. Um, there are so many good books. So many good books. I follow, And I follow um, a blog that's called mindful.org. And I really, really like that blog. 
um, it, it really talks about how to, um, you know, inculcate mindfulness into everything you do. And it's got a lot of really great data-driven articles. I really like that. Um, the, you know, um, the uh, Search Inside Yourself group has a lot of great resources on their website. Um, I would say, you know, really do some research. Um, if you are a skeptic, look toward um, Forbes and, um, you know, Harvard Business Review and some of those you know, really well-established publications uh, for uh, articles on uh, mindfulness, meditation, and emotional intelligence, and it may change your mind, and you may decide to uh, dip your toe into the water. Awesome. And how can our audience get a hold uh, of you? Happy to have you email me at Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, at learningstudio.biz, B-I-Z, and I am happy to hear from you anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you so much for the, the two, three minute uh, practice we did, the session yes, we did. And you. I think I'll be going throughout my day a lot lighter as Great. well. Great. So. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> awesome. It was, it was a pleasure to awesome. be with well, you. you so Thanks much. for having me. Thanks, Deborah. No it's problem. always great having you. Have a great day. All right. Yeah, you too. Enjoy the thank Sarah McLaughlin. You. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Deborah. This means a lot to us. I think our viewers are going to get a lot Oh, I hope well. so. I really do. I mean, we, we oh, did, yeah. Matt. I mean, this, this was my second take, basically. A lot of this is from the webcast, you know, Mindfulness and Mayhem. So um, this is like a second part two. Yeah, me, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. And Matt will be downloading 10% Happier. Probably <laughs> going on my, right going on my Matt time here pretty soon <laughs> yeah. once we wrap up. So. <laughs> okay I'll, I'll let you know Thanks, Deborah. all right see ya